You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Pilato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum. And I don't know why I sound so excited right now, Chris, because we're about to preview a game that I don't know if Giant fans should be all that excited for. And I don't mean to be pessimistic here, but the New York Giants, could this season have started in a worse manner. I guess it could have if they didn't have that second half comeback against the Arizona Cardinals. But right now, through four games, Chris, the Giants are outscored 122 to 46. 31 of those points came in that second half against the Arizona Cardinals. Giants are coming off of a 24-3 loss at home, another primetime game, and now they have to travel to the Miami Dolphins and play this offense, Chris. And this is what we're doing. We're previewing this game. Play this offense that is first in offensive EPA, first in rushing yards, first in total yards, first in scoring off, it's second in passing yards. How bleak is this, Chris? Level level with everybody. Uh, yeah, it it, it ain't great. Uh, you you brought up that thirty one point outburst by the Giants in the second half of the Arizona game. The Giants have played sixteen quarters of football so far. Four quarters, four games. If we take those two quarters out over the the other fourteen quarters, the Giants have played. They've scored fifteen points. That is one point oh seven points. Per quarter, they've given up 114 points. Like, like you said, it, it this could be a game that Giants fans, you know, watch the game, enjoy, enjoy football. Just watch it as a football fan. Maybe try to put your Giants fandom on the shelf, unless things really start to go the Giants' way, which they could. It can absolutely happen. Um, the Dolphins might need to do the Giants some favors. The Giants might need to pull a rabbit out of their hat, but it's possible. Anything is possible. Any given Sunday, as the kids and adults say. I'll say one thing. It does seem like the Giants' struggles have ping-ponged from offense to defense. In week two against the Cardinals, we were just like, oh, wow, look at the offense. They're buzzing. And they didn't have Andrew Thomas at that time. Josh Zudu was starting at left tackle. Marcus McKeithen was starting at right guard but they did have saquon barkley but the defense is what was the problem last week the defense actually showed up it didn't play that bad it really only gave up 10 points and it was the offense that was the absolute problem but you're right anything can happen it just seems very unlikely but before we really dive into the preview of this game chris let's just talk about some news around the new york giants i think something happened yesterday as we we're recording this today on thursday october 5th that we have to discuss but before we even get into that let's talk about some of these injuries andrew thomas is still sidelined with that hamstring injury it doesn't look good uh, i'm no doctor but 
I, if I'm a betting man, I don't think he's going to be out there against the Miami Dolphins. Obviously a huge loss. John Michael Schmitz and Shane Lemieux. John Michael Schmitz with his shoulder, Shane Lemieux with his groin. They were watching practice on the side. On Thursday, it seems like JMS is another long shot to play. Saquon Barkley wasn't moving all that well, according to Dan Duggan of The Athletic. Still dealing with that ankle. I'd be kind of surprised if he plays. And then Daniel Bellinger with his knee issue, which he hurt during the tush-push situation as well. He was doing individuals after starting off on the side. So that is a good sign. And I honestly think, dude... It sounds crazy, Chris, but Daniel Bellinger's presence is crucial to this offense. Once Daniel Bellinger got hurt, the Giants couldn't do anything out of 12 personnel. They didn't align in 12 personnel after he went out. Nobody's really talking about that. They did five plays in 12 personnel after running 12 personnel about 43% of the time through the first three weeks. Five plays in that game. All five of them were with Daniel Bellinger. Once Bellinger left, Darren Waller was non-existent because Darren Waller had to stay in and block because the Giants decided to keep Lawrence Cager over any blocking type of tight end. So their 12 personnel package with this offensive line was absolutely screwed. I know I just threw a lot at you, but please give the audience and myself your thoughts. Yeah, Daniel Bellinger, particularly if Andrew Thomas and JMS, John Michael Schmitz, are unable to play in this game, having Bellinger would be huge for the Giants offense because he is their best non-offensive lineman blocker and frankly one of their best blockers just in general you know it was something we brought up back in the preseason when we were speculating on what the Giants 53-man roster could look like it made a lot of sense for them to carry four tight ends because neither Darren Waller nor Lawrence Cager are blockers generally if those two guys are blocking something is not right, they're being misused because they are so much more effective as receivers, or at least they should be much more effective as receivers than blockers. And like you said, losing Bellinger just ripped pages out of the Giants' playbook. And just given the state of their pass protection in general, they need as much quality blocking as they can get. I mean, I suppose they could run a 12 personnel with maybe Matt Peart as as their what well, oh actually no sorry if uh just if schmitz doesn't play then bredesen would probably move inside and then josh azuda would be at left guard and so matt parrot would probably be the giant starting left tackle um without unless they roll the with giant... glowinski what I'm unless sorry? they roll with glowinski I said, unless, sorry for cutting you off, unless they roll with Mark Lewinsky, but it does seem like <laughs> the Giants front office and coaching staff, they just have some sort of adverse reaction anytime they want to put Glowinski out there. And I get Glowinski, he's not good. And he was terrible in week one, but I want to get your opinion on this too. I know it's a little bit of a side tangent. Mark Lewinsky is better than Shane Lemieux. I don't think that's necessarily an argument to you. Yeah, no, that, that is perfectly valid. Like, neither one is great, but Mark Lewinsky is less bad than Shane Lemieux out there. <laughs> less bad. At the very least, Lewinsky is a solid run blocker. He was, he was an issue in pass protection last year. He was an issue in pass protection week one this year, but he can at least run block. And just to skip ahead a little bit, run blocking might be what the Giants need most in this game with or without uh, Saquon Barkley, because I think they're going to 
part of their game plan, I think, is going to be to slow the just slow the game down and deny the Dolphins as many possessions as they can. It has to be, man, and they have to have success early with it and tire out that defense and try to sustain drives and, and keep the offense on the football field to keep Tua and that offense off the football field. And that's an interesting point that you did bring up, though. Will Matt Parr slide in and play left tackle and Azudu slide in and play left guard? I think they're going to roll with Galinsky, but I wouldn't be shocked if they try to spice things up. But also, a lot of that could be contingent on Daniel Bellinger's health. Matt Parrott, I think, played in four snaps as a big offensive lineman. And honestly, at this point, defenses are really keying in anytime the Giants bring in that extra offensive lineman that it's going to be run or play action. So they're just kind of shooting the run fits and, and going or they're or they're just um, usually it's run. Actually, it's nearly not play action all that frequently. So it's not really fooling anybody. The Giants need to start fast here on offense. It's something they just have not done at all this season. Start fast. Well, they start fast, Chris, and then they just stall. They yeah. stall. They shoot themselves <laughs> in the foot, right? Andrew Thomas, false start. JMS, bad snap. Field goal blocked. Return for a touchdown. Andrew Thomas hurt his hamstring. Still affecting the New York Giants right now, Chris. That is a problem, man. And then last week, what happens? You have the tush push. Two of your guys get injured. It's like, oh, after a good drive. It's oh, it's so maddening, bro. It really is. And especially with that play, because that is a play that is normally so effective. They were talking about taking it out of the game over this past offseason. They were talking about banning that play because it was just too effective. And somehow the Giants not only managed to screw it up, but lose two starters, two key starters in the process. Like it's this really has been a season where everything that could go wrong has gone wrong at just about every position. And, you know, it's the, the giants need to get back on track, but I'm, I'm not sure how it happens in this game. Before we get into the preview and run the ads, we have to talk about this situation, Chris, man. I want to get your thoughts on it. Evan Neal came out yesterday and in an interview with, what was it, NewJersey.com, <laughs> he referred to fans, and I'll pull up the quote here in a bit, he referred to fans as basically burger flippers, and why should I consider, I, a lion, consider the opinions of sheep, which is a cardinal rule as a professional athlete is you never call out fans like that and demean them for the way they make their living. An absolute terrible look for the young man who has already come out and apologized via notes on his iPhone and then Twitter that he uploaded it. But you don't bite the hand that feeds you, man, because fans, I get it. They're getting paid from an owner, but the fans are what drive this. That's what drives the advertisers. That's what makes this product, makes you as a good football player earn money and to call them out is just an absolute horrible look. I'm not going to bury the kid. I think Ed brought up a great point in his article about this. Look, Evan Neal has never experienced adversity in terms of playing football. He was a five-star recruit. He was a stud in high school at IMG Academy. He was a stud at Alabama. Comes in the NFL, gets punched right in the mouth. But if you're going to come out, Evan Neal, and you're going to say something like that, you better start playing well because he's not going to He's always going to hear this from here on out when he screws up, and rightfully so, because that is that is a cardinal rule that he just broke. Yeah, that I don't think fans are going to really care 
about the apology. You know, Brian Dable said he's remorseful. Uh, Ed kind of stuck up for him and said, you know, th- these comments were shocking because it, it's just completely out of line with the character and personality that we've seen so far. But right now, I think really the only balm for it, the only cure is, like you said, to start playing, start balling out out there. You know, step up and play like a top 10 offensive tackle, right? An offensive tackle who's drafted in the top 10. And, you know, winning cures a lot of ills. And I think that might be the only thing that gets fans to forget about the fact that a guy getting paid millions of dollars to play a game just insulted them because yeah, want- they're upset with the way he's playing. Exactly. I don't want to be precise about this. He was speaking with Daryl Slater of NewJersey.com and his quote that is generating <laughs> and engendering a lot of rage, rightfully so, to some degree, it was, why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of a sheep? I genuinely don't care. Why should I? I'm in the National Football League. The person that's commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Just an absolutely idiotic thing to say. Again, young man, I'm not excusing what he said. The only way he gets around this is to become the player, as you said, that the New York Giants thought they were getting when they selected him at seven out of Alabama in last year's draft. If he doesn't become that and he keeps struggling, he's going to keep hearing about this and rightfully so, because that is just an absolutely terrible and disgusting thing to say. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think we can just move on to that, to talking about, well, I'll leave it up to you. Do you want to talk about the Dolphins offense first or their defense first? Let's go into the Miami Dolphins offense. Actually, you know what? Let's go into the Miami Dolphins defense because the offense is going to take a while. And then we'll go into the Miami Dolphins defense. Let's start right there. I'm more concerned with the Giants' ineptability on offense rather than just Miami's defense who are starting to... I mean, this is typically how it happens. When you get a new coaching staff, Nick Fangio is the new defensive coordinator down there. Nick Fangio is one of the best coaches in the NFL in terms of defense regarding the defense and his tree of quarters coverage too high quarters covered while also being able to stop the run has proliferated around the NFL. You see Brandon Staley attempting to replicate that. He did so when he was with the Rams, but now as a Chargers head coach, it hasn't gone as well. So that style of offense, you also see like Robert Sala calling San Francisco 49ers, D'Amico Ryan's and call something a little bit similar. It's uh, it's very popular around the NFL. The Dolphins, they've been surrendering points. It's not like they have been shutting down teams. But the Giants offense is like 32nd, 30th, and 28th in, in every single important metric. It's absolutely horrid. Whereas the Dolphins defense, I'll run through some statistics right now, kick it back to you. They've surrendered the 28th most points per game, the 25th most passing yards per game, the 28th most yards per pass attempt, 22nd rushing yards per game, 18th in yards per carry, those aren't great numbers. And they just gave up 48 points against the Buffalo Bills. But what the hell are the Giants going to do to exploit the fact that the Dolphins have some vulnerabilities on their offense, Chris? Yeah, I'm going to say that the biggest thing the Giants can do is A, run the ball, because the Dolphins don't have a great 
run defense. Yeah, their run defense is. I sorry, just bringing this numbers up right now, but their run block win rate is only at twenty eight percent. That's 29th in the NFL. By comparison, the Giants, who have been kind of getting gashed on runs, which is something we're going to talk about in a little bit, they're at 18th in the NFL. They're winning their run block. Their, their defenders are winning run blocks 30% of the time. So the Dolphins' run defense has to be the weakness that the Giants attack. And then off of that... I would say play action, attack those linebackers because they don't really have a linebacker or I would say a safety with Deshaun Elliott questionable right now who can match up with Darren Waller. Now, of course, the flip side of that is can the Giants pass protection hold up when they go to throw the ball? And this is something that kind of low-key concerns me. I mean, obviously, Giants pass protection is a concern. But the Dolphins pass rush win rate is 10th in the NFL. The San Francisco 49ers were 9th. So this is another potentially good pass rush the Giants are going to see, particularly if Jalen Phillips is able to play. He's dealing with an oblique injury. He is also currently questionable. And those are some studs they have up there, right? Like Jalen Phillips, the very good football player. He was the number one overall recruit who went to UCLA and then he left football after suffering some concussions, came back, went to Miami, and then he was a top, I think, 15 pick, top 20 pick, whatever it was. He was picked high. He has eight pressures on just 59 pass rushes this season. That is a 13.6% pressure rate. They have players like, obviously, they have Bradley Chubb. We know how talented he is, how physical he can be. Specialist Emmanuel Ogba as well. He is six pressures on 35 rushes, which is a 17.1% pass rush win rate. And then a player, man, who I just I just see running around every time I turn the Dolphins on. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And it's Andrew Van Ginkle, <laughs> former Wisconsin Badger. He has a 12.8% pressure rate. I think he has three sacks as well. So it's just a lot of talented players who can take advantage of what the Giants are putting out there. And that's just on the defensive front. Now, we did see, Chris, Stefan Diggs, who the Giants do not have a Stefan Diggs. Let's make that clear. <laughs> but we did see Kadar Kaho get just targeted and abused throughout the Buffalo Bill game. What the Bills were doing was isolating Stefan Diggs against Coho and attacking him and avoiding Xavier Howard, who is used to be one of the better best cornerbacks in the league. I think I still think he's a talented cornerback, but I don't know if he's still playing up to that level just from the little bit I've seen of Miami throughout the last about year and a half. But I'm wondering if the Giants can find a way to attack Coho similar to what the Buffalo Bills did. I just don't know if they have a, a wide receiver who can really rise up and, and seize that opportunity or if the Giants are going to alter their offense to a point where they're kind of just hyper-targeting that player with one wide receiver. It might be a collective type of approach. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think we could see Wandale Robinson get even more work. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, I think, might see 
I can't really say he's seen increase of snaps because he was on the field a lot last week. The ball just did, very rarely went his way. So he could see some more work out there. I'll be interested to see what happens if or when Cam Smith, the Dolphins' second-round pick, the cornerback out of South Carolina, is on the field and if he matches up against Hyatt because the two of the those two guys saw each other at, in the SEC the past couple of years. And you know, last year, Camp Smith actually did a pretty good job defending Jalen Hyatt. He had Hyatt had six catches and sixty-six yards with no touchdowns with Cam Smith on him. And you know that Smith is not the same kind of athlete that Jalen Hyatt is, but Smith is a technically sound and extremely competitive and physical cornerback and he seems to be rising up the depth chart so at the very least hopefully the giants don't have to see eli apple make any plays on them cam smith dude i remember watching that south carolina tennessee game cam smith was somewhat shadowing jalen hyatt not all the time but he was on him a lot cam smith (laughs) would be about 15 yards off the line of scrimmage in the slot with his hips angled outward trying to just be like don't go inside and just giving so much cushion to jalen hyatt and so much respect to jalen Hyatt. i think smith ended up giving up a touchdown surrendering a touchdown in that game it just wasn't a high i think it was to cedric tillman in the back of the end zone but i digress for regardless of the fact Christian Wilkins is another name I wanted to bring up. He was Dexter Lawrence's teammate at Clemson. Very talented player. I'm a little frightened of what he can do to the Giants' interior offensive line without JMS and just kind of, even if JMS was there, I think he JMS would be able to hold up. But, geez, man, these guard spots, it's, it's brutal right now. Yeah, it is kind of interesting how many links there are between these two teams considering they're in completely different conferences i mean you know brian dayball used to coach Tua tonga vailoa back at alabama so it's it is interesting having you know wilkins over there if jalen phillips doesn't play wilkins is probably the biggest concern on that miami front seven just because a lot of what Daniel Jones has done in buying time is step up into the pocket and take advantage of John Michael Schmitz setting depth in the pocket, giving him some place to step up to, and then the blocking scheme kind of ushering defenders around the edges and creating running lanes up the middle. And if Christian Wilkins is winning those matchups in the middle, you know, the the fastest path to the quarterback is through those A and B gaps. So that is definitely something to be concerned with. I could see the Giants just making sure to devote a double team to Wilkins on every passing play, which, again, that opens up concerns elsewhere. I mean, fortunately, the Dolphins haven't been blitzing a whole hell of a lot, but... If they're still able to get pressure with four guys, that's a problem. Definitely a problem. And you can't really, it's difficult to apply a double team on every single play just because of those blitzes. If you're on a five man protection, which we saw against the, <laughs> against the Seahawks, man, it wasn't oh. great. When the Giants went in five man protection, they were just sending 
sending a, a DB off the edge and Daniel Jones didn't account for him on the one play ended up being a not great for no. the New York Giants. Luckily, it wasn't a strip sack moment. But anything else on the defense of the Miami Dolphins before we transition to the offense? No, I, I think the big story here with this game is going to be that Dolphins offense. I mean, two weeks ago, they dropped 70 points. They were they were, were very close to setting an NFL record. And except for last week, they've been on a historic pace. So... The Giants have their work cut out for them this week. Absolutely. But before we get to that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty, Chris, the Miami Dolphins offense, dude. Uh, we were talking before the podcast. I watched a bunch of their film yesterday. Wrote an article at Big Blue View. Everyone, go check it out. This offensive coach, Mike McDaniel, he's a little bit awkward, a little bit different. I love that unique nature. He does such an excellent job, Chris, exploiting space by using his speed. He has two of the fastest running backs in the NFL right now in Raheem Mostert and Devon Achan. He has two of the fastest wide receivers in Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. But it's how he's employing them. He's using condensed formations. He's using motion to give these free releases to switch the responsibilities of the defense right before the snap. He's flaring condensed formations, routes, outward to create more throwing windows in the middle of the field for Tua Tagovailoa to attack because that's where Tua likes to attack the middle of the field he's very very accurate in that intermediate to early deep parts of the field so man I, I was just going through the film being like this guy is a genius and then when they got in the red zone against Denver specifically the run designs were so creative were so unique and I look at the Giants linebackers. I look at Bobby Okereke. I look at Micah McFadden. I think Micah McFadden is having a solid start to the season. I think Okereke had a better game last week, but still a little bit underwhelmed with his play as a New York Giant. I feel bad for both of those individuals, how they're going to be able to cover those deep dig routes off the play action and how they're going to be able to fit the run when there's that much eye candy. It's, uh, I know you watch the offense too, man. It's, it's a problem, to say the least, my friend. It, it really is a problem. And you know, you, we used to say offense scores points, defense wins games. In the modern NFL, you need to win on offense. 
And this Miami offense is why teams are just consistently, or at least those of us who talk about teams are consistently concerned by them. Why they're just, like you said, they are a problem. They've got speed all over the place. Like I I joked before we started recording, I wouldn't be surprised if their offensive linemen can run four, three forties. It is kind of amazing that Raheem Mostert is still one of the fastest running backs in the entire NFL. And then you've got Devin A. Chain, a guy we both liked prior to the draft out there averaging what 11 yards a carry or something absurd like that. Yeah. With last week, Wink Martindale told us to chart the giants tackling because it was going to be better this week. You know, tackling wasn't going to be a problem. It was still a problem. If the Giants tackling remains a problem in this week and the Dolphins have enough speed to just break angles, like even if a guy is in good position, all of those players have that extra gear to make the defender wrong. If the Giants start missing tackles, if they get, if they whiff or if they go for arm tackles that are, that the offensive players can run through, that is going to be a big play right there. Like that's just all there is to it. Like the Giants have good athletes on their defense now. Like they, they do not have a lumbering defense out there. Adoree Jackson, Deontay Banks, they are fast corners. Isaiah Simmons is a fast linebacker, but there's just so much speed all over this Miami offense that it's tough to get those favorable matchups. Like where do you put the double team? And then you talk about how Mike McDaniel, the consummate football nerd is weaponizing spacing, weaponizing motion, how he's got those super condensed formations, which can't help but create traffic in the defense. And then using the motion, those switch releases to basically force the defense to get in each other's way and he's using his personnel package using a lot of 21 personnel which that typically forces defenses into heavier base packages and then he's throwing out of them so he is just exploiting every single aspect of offensive football to give his team every edge he can it's a simple play. I think it was the second play of the game against the Buffalo Bills. It's just simple. It's pistol formation to the boundary side. Mike McDaniel motion Tyreek Hill. And then he's behind the line of scrimmage, so he doesn't have to come set. He starts running right at the snap, and he just runs outside towards the sideline, removes Tredavious White before he got injured. You know, that sucks, man. I hate to see that. Removes him from the deep third that he was responsible for, and then ran play action off the pistol. Both the linebackers bid up, and then Durham Smythe just turns around. He's like, hi, wide open. Just simple things like that, man. And I think that's one of the best things that Mike McDaniel does with the motion is he just, wherever that motioning player goes, if he's not in the read, his only job is to force the defender to respect him to open up space for another route that's going to eventually come open, typically after a play action, a mesh point that's going to force the linebackers to bite up. It's just creating space, and the Giants are going to, they're going to learn this because 
The Giants are going to align in a similar formation from that play. They run a lot of middle of the field close. They run a lot of cover three type of concepts, and their safety is typically very deep, especially when you're playing a team that has that much speed. So the linebackers, they got to, it's going to be very, very hard to be a linebacker on the New York Giants on Sunday against this Miami Dolphins team. One more note on that. I have to just express something for, for next week against the Buffalo Bills. Matt Milano is such a good linebacker. He's such a good linebacker. Like he saw this on the second play, and then throughout the game, he recognized it. And he's so athletic, and he removed throws from Tua and forced Tua to go through progressions. This offense is so quick hitting. Everything is quick with this offense, not just from speed, but also from decision making. Like Tua is a very smart quarterback who has a very quick release. And I'm wondering what the hell is Wink Martindale going to do to combat that? Because you could say, oh, yeah, he's going to blitz like he did the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think you're going to have a lot of success with that approach against this team. I think you might be better off trying to just send four and and dropping others into coverage. But I think, obviously, it's going to kind of be dictated by the context of the game. The Giants offense isn't doing anything at all. Maybe you try to dial it up and force a play. But man, dude, I could see the Giants sending pressure and just a little quick dump off the Tyree kill. And you have like two guys who have to try to track them down on the back end. That could be an issue for New York. Yeah, it could. And you talk about how quick Tua is. Like he has the fastest time to throw of any quarterback in the NFL. Right now he's averaging 2.37 seconds to throw. That is absurdly quick for a guy who is also in the top 10 I believe he's eighth overall in intended air yardage so he's throwing the ball downfield faster than guys are just dumping off quickly like just as a just as a comparison like Daniel Jones's intended air yardage is 6.2 yards downfield converted is 4.3 Jones is averaging 2.78 seconds to throw, you know, compared to Tua's 8.4 intended air yards and 7.1 converted air yards in 2.37, 2.37 seconds. That's insane. And as far down the field as he's throwing, he's just outside of the top 10 in completion percentage over expected. He's completing 71.3% of his passes. A, a big part of that is because of everything Mike McDaniel does to create the create separation, create receiving windows, and he's got some good receivers. But the Giants need to get pressure with four guys. And at least right now, it does look like they'll have Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, Dexter Lawrence, and Leonard Williams out there to start this game and play the majority of the snaps. And the Giants could have an advantage along the line of scrimmage because Taron Armstead is out and Connor Williams, the Dolphins starting center is questionable right now. He he's been dealing with some injuries. So that could be, could be an avenue for the giants to disrupt this Dolphins de- this Dolphins offense, excuse me, not their defense, with pressure, if their edge guys can win that battle at left tackle and one of their interior linemen can win the battle 
on the offensive interior, take advantage of the backup center. But again, the Dolphins offense is just so quick as well as fast. That doesn't give them a whole hell of a lot of time to get home. No, and that's why the blitzing is could be a problem for the for the Giants. And I think the Giants just try to try to get the third and six plus, second and six plus situations, get Isaiah Simmons out there. I think the Giants will use Isaiah Simmons similar to what they did against Tyler Lockett, like I said, right? Like they're going to they're going to have him bracketed. I don't know if you can run cloud as much as maybe you would want to off of cover six to the cover two side, just because Mike McDaniel is going to motion that dude quite frequently. And one thing on Connor Williams, former Dallas Cowboys, I think second round pick, always struggled against Dalvin Tomlinson. So I wish Dalvin Tomlinson was still on this team to exploit that if he were to be out there. But Liam Eikenberg is his backup, former second round pick, offensive tackle out of Notre Dame, now playing center for them. So this this is going to be a tall task for Wink Martindale. I am very curious because I'm not sure. I'm just curious as to what Wink Martindale's game plan is going to be. I think there's a little bit of a misconception that Wink Martindale's always pressure breaks pipes. That's him to his core. That is his philosophy. But we have seen throughout the 2022 season, it's not what he does in matchups that it doesn't in matchups where he thinks dropping eight, for instance, is a more advantageous way to success, like the Giants did against the Jacksonville Jags, right? They, he just dropped in the cover. I think he blitzed like 15% of the time, which is like nothing for Wink Martindale. And I could see maybe a similar approach, but I could also, there is part of me, Chris, that's like, maybe the Giants are going into this. Hey, we're wildly outmatched. Let's just blitz like, the, like we did against San Francisco in week three. That could possibly happen. I just... With with two as quick release, I, I don't know if that would be too wise. One more thing, too, man, before we get out of here. The 21 pony package is stupid. It's insane. <laughs> it's silly. It's fast, right? But also, the Giants are going to handle 21 personnel differently depending on who that second running back is. Because we saw a lot of snaps against Buffalo and Denver where it was Moster and Achan out there. But they also have Alec Ingold who is an underrated fullback, one of the better fullbacks in the league. And I could see the Giants matching Alec Ingold with base, but how do you match Achan and Raheem Mostert in terms of your personnel? Are you going to go out there 3-3-5? Three, three, Are you going to go out there and just pure nickel? Are you going to go out there in 4-3, which we've seen a little bit more this season? I'm curious to, to get your thoughts on that. And then I have one more question after. Yeah, th this is something I've been thinking about because you you almost can't help but think about these sorts of things. I, I have been wondering if, you know, we saw last week, Buffalo played a lot of two-man against the Dolphins offense. I've been wondering if Wink doesn't try to take what worked for Buffalo and try to adapt it into the Giants' defense as a whole. And something else we were talking about before we started recording is that you can tell that Mike McDaniel learned under Kyle Shanahan. This Dolphins offense is kind of the San Francisco offense turned up to 11. You know, you've got Tua as kind of a souped up version of Brock Purdy. You've got Tyreek and Jalen Waddle as faster versions of Debo and Brandon Ayuk. You've got Mostert and A-Chain as not necessarily better, but certainly faster versions of Christian McCaffrey. 
So we saw the hair on fire blitzing not really work against a similar, relatively similar offense in San Francisco. So I do wonder if the Giants maybe try to use something like a uh, 2-6 front, basically a base personnel, but with, like you said, a 4-3, but use have the two interior linemen be the down linemen, have their two edge defenders, Kayvon and Aziz, be just stand-up rushers, and then have the three linebackers, Okereke, uh, Micah McFadden, and then Isaiah Simmons, actually use him as a base personnel defender and not just a third down nickel defender, just to have that much more speed and that much more versatility on the field. Like I don't know if Isaiah Simmons, because you know he's only been here for a little over a month, if he is verse enough in the defense to play that many snaps and that that many snaps and that many different situations, but man, they could use his athleticism and versatility as a linebacker safety hybrid. It's a great call, man. I, I don't know if it's going to happen just because Isaiah Simmons, if you went through his Arizona tape, there was a reason why he was labeled a bust. And it's because he doesn't have the best eyes. And he doesn't process what's happening in front of him all that quickly. And to some degree, I don't blame him because the freaking Vance Joseph and the Arizona Cardinals were using him all over the place. Like, oh, you're going to play safety today. You're going to play edge today. So he never really developed that skill set. But I, I do think the Giants need to find a way to get him on the football field just off the speed. Because Micah McFadden, I like him. He's going to get toasted by Mostert and Achan. Like, those guys are just different athletes than a player like Micah McFadden and Bobby Okereke for that matter. Okereke is a solid athlete though. Simmons is different. Simmons can at least pace with those individuals. So it's going to be interesting to see how Wink Martindale gets Simmons on the football field if the Giants can't get and force the Dolphins into this second and six plus because that's the only time Isaiah Simmons is out there. If it's second or third and six plus anything less than that, unless it's third and four, Anything less of that and second down, he typically does not see the football field. And my last point I want to say before we get out of here, this could be the Jalen Waddle breakout game because I could see Wink Martindale removing Tyreek Hill and forcing the Giants to, or forcing the Dolphins to use Jalen Waddle because Tyreek Hill has just been killing everybody and Waddle is fully capable of murdering defenses. So it's either going to be that approach or it's going to be, as you said before the podcast, I think it was a great point. The Bill Belichick approach. We're going to double team Tyree Kill, or no, we're going to double team Waddle, I think, and then put our best guy on Hill. I, I think it's going to be the other way around, though. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the to me, the Belichick approach was to take your best defender. Like, this is what he used to do like when he had uh, Darrell Revis brief, briefly. You take your best defender, put him on an island with their second best receiver. So you just take him out of the game as much as you can. So for the Giants, that would be a Dory on Waddle. And then you take your next two best coverage players and use them to bracket the best defend the best receiver. So maybe take Deontay Banks, who okay, he's not as fast as Tyreek. Very, very few people are. But he's got the size, he's got enough athletic athleticism where he's not going to get him. He wouldn't get embarrassed in a foot race against Tyreek. And then you maybe take Xavier McKinney and use him over the top to bracket. Or Jason Pinnock, although Pinnock is probably a little bit better closer to the line of scrimmage, maybe you could use Isaiah Simmons with his speed as a bracket player 
on Tyreek Hill. So that way you've got a good enough player on Jalen Waddle, where if you are devoting resources elsewhere, hopefully Waddle doesn't have his breakout game. Again, it, I don't know that that's how Wink Martindale would do it. I think that's something I would at least try if I was in his shoes. It might not even be based necessarily on the personnel, but on the alignment and what they see up from the press box or from the field and the defensive coaches that are up in the press box. Like if they keep running to a certain side of the field, to the strength, the dig route, maybe they're just going to sink under that dig route, whether it is Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle and then shade the middle of the field close safety, which is something they did against Tyler Locke and DK Metcalf toward the other side of the field to account for the other receiver that is not running the dig route. And that's just a specific example, but it does go to show that this Martindale's going to have his, his hands full. There's a lot of different options that you can run. I don't know if there's any one option that can stop this defense. I mean, this offense of the Miami dolphins, but anything else, bud, before we get out of here. Yeah, I, this is going to be another one of those games, kind of like the San Francisco game, where as a Giants fan, I'm not ter- I'm not looking forward to it all that much. As a football fan, it has the potential to be fun. It, it, the Dolphins offense, like you said, you sent me the message when you just started watching the film. It's like th- this Dolphins offense is just silly. And I think if if you can put your fandom aside, there is the potential for a fun game. And we'll try to put that fandom aside a little bit because it's uh, I do think this is one of the more fun teams to watch in the National Football League, just not against the team that we pull for. Don't let's let's hope at least the offense. What I would like to take away from this, if it is a loss, which I hope it's not is that the Giants often starts to figure it out a little bit and we can be a little bit more encouraged moving forward, even though week six is just as gross looking right now with the Buffalo Bills on deck. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, if you have not done so already, like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast and then head on over to bigblueview.com where you can check out all of our written content. Thank you and have a lovely day. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.